I am here with Mike Rogers. Mike, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself to the audience. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, my name is Mike Rogers. Um, I've been in Japan for almost 40 years. And, um, well, my story. Okay. Um, in the late 1970s, how, uh, well, I'm a disc jockey in Japan. In the late 1970s, uh, I was in a pretty famous punk rock band in Los Angeles. And uh, we were basically considered a one-hit wonder. And we had a song called Sit On My Face, Stevie Nicks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it was, it was a huge hit. And it got banned in California. Mick Fleetwood called up all the record stores and told them if you if you sell that record we're gonna sue you he called the radio station right. he even called me at home i have no idea how he got my phone number and threatened us with being sued is this and, fleetwood mac the, yeah, Fleet, mick yeah. Fleetwood. Okay. yeah mick fleetwood yeah. so we basically we were like this was early days of punk so right. kind of like oh fuck you and just ignored him but um we soon found a lot of clubs didn't want to play us, and uh, the radio station KROQ. Do you know K Rock? K Rock. I've heard of it. Mm -hmm. K Rodney said we were the most, and he actually told me this recently. The most requested song in the history of the radio station. Wow, really? Was that song? And then um, we used to tour with like a, uh, uh, play with Dead Kennedys and Fear and Black Flag and big bands like that. Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day and but we were only together for a band for for one year and the reason why is those guys other guys in my band band they fought constantly about stupid stuff and i didn't want to have anything to do with it one day i just got fed up and said nah forget this okay i, I quit right. and one of the big reasons why i quit was do you know the rock band of san francisco no, known as the nuns uh no i haven't heard of the okay nuns. the nuns opened for the sex pistols okay, when okay. The sex pistols, so anyways maybe six or eight months before before they opened for the sex pistols um they called us up and asked us will you come to san francisco and open for us so of course the guitarist and i were like yeah sure sure absolutely we'll go but the stupid bass player the stupid drummer we told them we're going to San Francisco to play this show open for the nuns. It's a big deal. And they said, no, we can't go. Like, why Why can't you go? Well, we we promised our friends we'd go surfing that day. And I, I was just like, I, at that time, I was you know young and stupid, so I didn't kick them out of the band. But if I knew then what I know now, I would have kicked those two idiots out of the band right there in the spot. Right. Right. And the guitarist and I would have went up there and played the show, drummer or no drummer. We would have figured out something, but right. we didn't do it. And that was a very, very big factor in the band breaking up. Anyway, the band broke up. And then I really loved, I'm from Ventura, actually. Do you know where Ventura is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, close to so, LA, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. About 60 miles north of LA. So I really loved Hollywood. I really loved everything there. So... I wanted to stay there, and um, I went to see Rodney Bingenheimer at that uh, restaurant he goes to. He lives at every every night, and I told him, I'll be your assistant, and you don't have to pay me anything. Nothing. Because I had heard that that's what you do in Hollywood. Right. And, and 
He said, great, come and be my assistant. So I was the assistant to Rodney Bingenheimer for two years, 1980 and 1981. And Rodney introduced me to so many famous people like um, Phil Spector, the Ramones, mm. um, Blondie, uh, just lots of other bands I can't even remember now. Right. And I, I would just carry records for him, clean the studio while he was doing the show, put records away in the... You know, a by by ABC, and I mean ABC. So like, you know, A A A B A C. Right. You know, like that. And I did that. And uh, one funny story about that. It was I think Christmas of 1980, and there was this like light outside the studio that would blink red when somebody was at the door. Right. So it was blinking red. Rodney to told me to go out and answer the door. I said okay. I go to the door, and I'm, I hear I'm expecting punks, punk rockers, leather jackets, the whole thing. Yeah. I open up the door, and here's this guy who looks like my dad. <laughs> and was, I was rude to him. I was like, what do you want? And he said, Rodney Rodney told me to come here. And I was like, oh, well, uh, all right, come on in. He came in, and they, they went into the studio, and I was outside cleaning up, and um the guy started talking about the Beatles and producing the Beatles <laughs> Let It Be record. <laughs> they were going in the old thing, and I thought, oh, man, I screwed up. I yeah. that I've heard of this guy before. <laughs> I, right, didn't know, right. I didn't know who he was. It was really rude to him. And uh, anyway, so I did that. And then um, I quit in 1981 because I was in college, and I kept getting kicked out for getting bad grades. Yeah. Yeah, And so I was like under the gun. And uh, if I didn't get good grades this quarter or whatever it was, they were going to kick me out of college again. And I'd be, a senior getting kicked out of college is really bad. Right. Yeah. Because you're almost there. And then you're, you're, yeah, you're almost there. So uh, I, I had I had quit the show and then I went back to college and then I met a girl, a, a Japanese girl. And then um, anyways, we got married. And uh, in 1983, okay. I moved to Japan with her. And actually, I'm half Japanese. Okay. My mom's Japanese. And um, I'd been to Japan, I think, five or six times, and I really, really liked it here. Mm -hmm. So we moved here in 1983. And, and let me tell you a little vignette. Um, I think maybe it was 79 or something. I came to Japan and uh, I was waiting. You were 109 is in Shibuya. Oh, yeah. 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 So they, they recently had, changed the sign, right? Yeah they, yeah. they had just finished construction of that building. Yeah. And my friends told me, wait here because this other friend's going to come and meet me. And I stood there just waiting and there were no foreigners. In Japan at that time right you could walk down Shibuya and walk down the center street there and people would walk up to you and say like will you sign my sign my notepad S give mm -hmm. me your signature and it's like what I'm not I'm not famous and they were like no, no but please please all right okay just sign it and give it to them you know right right so I'm standing there at this 109 under where the, there used to be banks of telephones there and uh, these girls keep walking up to me and saying, like, oh, she's not coming today. 
she called me and told me to take you to dinner. So, so let's go. And I thought, what? Like, and this happened four times, four mm-hmm. different times. And by not being too fast up here, by the fourth time, I realized these girls are picking up on me. They're trying right. to pick me up. And these were all really pretty girls. And I thought, God, this is a wonderful country. <laughs> Never, ever happened in the United States. Oh, yeah. Never yeah. in a million years. <clears throat> so I really liked it. And it really had an impression on me. So we moved here in 1983. Mm. <clears throat> and um, I got a job teaching English at some school in Shinjuku. What was it called? Uh, American Plaza. Okay. And uh, back in those days, teaching English was a very high-paying job. Like, people used to get paid like 500,000 yen a month. Wow, wow. To to teach English back in those days. And I did that for a while, and I became, like, the boss's assistant. And I only became the boss's assistant because I wanted to work in TV and radio. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was a business school, so uh, all these this paperwork would come by a uh, scheduling department and I'd look at them too. And it's like, Oh, TV Asahi. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that job. I'll, I'll take that one. Right. Any, any opportunity you could to get in that yeah. world. Right. Yeah. So I, I got a job at TV Asahi and teaching them English. Oh, uh, let me tell you another funny story about that. So this is back in the day where these new toilets that have the shower and bidet and whatever it's called. Right. It just came out. Okay. Just came out. And so I was in the, the first floor toilet at TV yeah. Sahi. And yeah. I, I pressed the button. This water started coming up. And I was like, oh, my God, what the hell? And I got up and, and I ran out of the bathroom. And, and just ran out of the bathroom back to my class and stuff and went and taught the class. Class was probably two hours long, I think. And when the class was over, everybody was like, let's go have a drink. It's like, okay. So we go out, go out there and we go out to the lobby area there and it's underwater. There's about two inches of water on the whole the whole lobby floor. Are you serious? Yeah. The, 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 it didn't have like a cutoff mechanism no, on it? No. It, it just, just kept going. And I, I guess <laughs> nobody, uh. knew, nobody knew how to turn it off. Oh, my and, God. Uh, so I think the statute of limitations is over, right? That's mm. like 30 years ago. So Yeah, yeah. I don't think I'll get in trouble now. But, yeah, that happened. So, anyways, I did that. And then um, I got a job with a girl named uh, Komaki Yuka. Okay. She was really famous, really beautiful girl in the the mid-80s. And she wanted me to be her assistant on her radio show. So we started doing a radio sh- show together on um, uh, some o- Osaka radio station. I can't remember the name mm-hmm. of AM station. And then I told her. You know, you're working at J-Wave, too. Can you introduce me to J-Wave? She said, okay. So then I got introduced to J-Wave, and I got a job there. And from that, I've gotten a job at basically every every radio station in Tokyo. And I'm proud to say, my friend, I am the only DJ, I think in history, who's been fired from every FM radio station in Tokyo. In Tokyo, right. Every single one. <laughs> Every single one. And I, I take that as a stinky badge of honor because most of these radio stations, no, most of all of them, they, they suck. Yeah. Do you ever listen to FM radio? 
Hardly ever. I mean, there, there's two FM radio stations here in Utsunomiya, and um, one of them seems to be all right, and the other one is just, you know, just a normal commercial pop general type stuff, you know. Most of the time, it's all uh, talk radio half the time, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, I started uh, at that, probably even back in those days, I started thinking, like, I should do indies, indies pop because no one else is doing it, and mm-hmm just playing that and i'm kind of glad i did i think it's lucky so i i still have a job even though i'm 63 years old so right right so you currently which stations are you do you work for now um you mean stations i'm paid for or stations i work for uh both how about that (laughs) um i'm paid uh, for the mike rogers show right I, I'm I'm being paid by a sponsor who sponsors me. Okay. Actually, not the show, but they want me to play certain certain types of music for them. Okay. And if it's cool, I'll play it. Then I also do a, a show that's actually starting next month called Color Red. Color Red. Okay. Yeah, you, you know, um, Color Red is kind of a. Do you know that song by Us Three? Um, what's it called? Uh, diddy diddy bop, funky funky diddy diddy. What the hell is the name of the song? But anyways, it's a kind of like a, a jazz, soulful jazz, okay, pop type of state music. Okay, okay. It, it's, it's not normally what I play, but actually I do play it. And us three, when they come to Japan, are always guests on my show. And uh, and then I do the top twenty European top twenty hits. Mm-hmm on every Saturday night. It's wonderful, beautiful, fantastic top 40, top 20 music. You'd love it. I'll have to send you a link. Of course. (laughs) And and, and any of the show links and and, uh, places where people can find you, um, I'll have in the show notes as well. Okay, thanks. uh, All the shows, yeah. Yeah, I have a webpage that's got everything listed, and they're going to have a pretty soon going to have a listing for your area, so Okay. Um, like on Sundays, Japan time, I'm on like 10 or 12 stations around the world. And that goes from 1 o'clock in the morning till 7 or 8 at night. So you can just be flipping around and get stations. And I've made so many shows now that uh, it's different, usually different shows. Okay. Oh, and okay. And one more thing. So I'm doing that radio show. Um I'm also making, um, and it's going to be launched soon. Do you know what Patreon is? Yes, yes. So I'm making a Patreon for Japan. Okay, so aimed at like Japanese creators and stuff, right? Yeah, Japanese artists and creators, YouTubers like you. And um, it's in English and Japanese. Okay. And we're testing it now to make sure everything runs okay. But um, I think Avex Tracks is going to be a sponsor of that or a partner in that. And uh, that's one more thing. And then the last thing I'm doing now is I'm running um, a film festival. Oh, okay. That's November 2nd and 3rd. And the film, this is a long story, Mm -hmm. but the film festival is November 2nd and 3rd. November 3rd is a, a culture day. Yeah. And 
Originally, the film festival was named Rain Dance Japan. And that's because Rain Dance uh, encouraged me to call it Rain Dance. They made my logo, you know, Rain Dance Japan. Yeah, they yeah. gave me an email address that said japan at raindance.org. And they just did everything and encouraged everything. And this started last year, July, I guess. Okay. And probably about three weeks ago. So I was always talking to the number one guy. But about three weeks ago, the number two guy wrote to me and said, you can't do this. And I I, I was just kind of like, I don't want to fight with them. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll change the name of the film festival, whatever. And then after I, I did that, he said, you have to change the URLs. Oh, and man. I said, you can't change the URLs. You either delete them or, or you don't. And I'm halfway through my submission season. Right. I can't change it now. So I wrote them that letter. Very polite. But uh, that's been three or four days they haven't answered me. I think they're, oh, they might be fighting with each other. Right. Yeah, that, that's, that's always kind of bad when you're kind of caught in the middle of other people's drama, you know, so... Yeah, well, you know, Rain Dance, Rain Dance is a great festival. Yeah. I really like those guys, and I've always gotten along with them well. And I think that's why they said, "Please call your film festival Rain Dance Japan." Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. Which is actually not a good idea because you know, Cannes Film Festival, mm-hmm. Cannes Film Festival ran in Japan, a Jap- Japanese subsidiary, for three years and went bankrupt. And the reason being, I'm told from Japanese people, Japanese people are not interested in a subsidiary. They want to okay. they want to enter the real one. They're, they're not interested in the Japanese subsidiary. So they, I guess they didn't get very many submissions. Right. So they, they either want to participate in the real festival or have basically their own that they can, you know, yeah. have other people come to as well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's where I'm sitting with that. And anyway, sorry about the long introduction. That's a- no, that's that that that's actually it's great. We we have a um, we have a lot to we have a lot to a lot of different avenues we can go from there. So you so you came you said you came to Japan mm. in 1983, right? Yeah. So Japan was as you've already said with the toilet story is is extremely yeah. extremely different now than it was then. So you basically came to Japan. Right during the uh, the bubble years, and then oh yeah, right after that. So, how was living in Tokyo like during that time? Oh, the bubble years were great, and there was yeah. another teacher working at our school named Stephen Sims. Hey, Stephen, if you're watching this, how's it going, mm-hmm. man? And um, he and I thought alike, mm. very much alike. But the rest of the teachers were just like. This is the gravy train. This is going to last forever. Oh, man. Just blowing all their money. And we would save our money. But, um, for example, after class, every night, your student would take you drinking. Right. And and pay for it. And then they'd get in a taxi and they would hand you a 10,000 yen bill and say, take this and go home. Mm. And what he and I would do would... Oh, get in the taxi, ride it one meter, get out, get the change, and take the train home. Right. Yeah. That was just smart. And, um, and then and pocket the, the cash afterwards. Yeah. Or, or spend it on, you know, drinking or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And because um, <clears throat> our pay at, 
the the school was was really good. Mm. People were just throwing money around. It was really the really the good old the golden days, and kind of faded away. I think around I don't know nineteen ninety ninety one something like that. Right, right. And um, around nine, but still, it was still there in the nineties because. I started my J-Wave job in 1989. Okay. I was one of the first five main DJs at that station. And you'll be shocked. And I'm not bragging. I just want to tell you. I used to do a Thursday night and Friday night show. Okay. One o'clock to three o'clock in the morning. On Thursday night and Friday night. And I got paid one and a half million yen. For just those two nights? Yeah, just those two nights. Wow. And Good on you. <laughs> yeah, especially the, then, you know? Yeah, especially then. But now, at radio stations, I mean, FM, FM is dead. Yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> they can't get sponsors. The cost of running an FM station, they're, they're spending millions and millions of yen a month just on having an antenna at, at Tokyo Tower and then running that system and then broadcasting that signal out there are two or three million yen in the black uh, in the red right even before they even have any shows right and they can't get sponsors because very few sponsors are up for paying five million yen for an hour show and uh, you know especially because of the internet but um what, what was i saying oh so if you do an hour show now um you might you might get 80,000 yen a month yeah. or 100, 120,000 yen a month. Yeah. That's basically it. And a lot of DJs do their jobs for free. So I, when my Inter FM show ended, oh, and I was general manager at Inter FM until 2007. Okay. okay. And we were in the black, number one in ratings, and a new president came in. And he was kind of crazy, yeah. So I quit, and but I still did a show, and I had my own show there for 23 years. Wow, and that's awesome. The, yeah. the pay just kept going down like this every year, every yeah. year. So uh, now I'm basically focusing on digital radio, okay, internet radio, internet radio, podcasting, and YouTubing. Those are the three things that the president of Twitter Japan told me, concentrate on that. Yeah. Those three things, that's the future. And um, he's the president of Inter- <laughs> Twitter Japan. I think he knows what he's talking about. Right, right, yeah. They're just pouring over data all the time. I mean, I just noticed with, you know, I mean, podcasts have, have really been around for more than more than a decade. Uh, you know, mid two thousands, but they didn't really start catching on until about six, seven years ago, right? Yeah. And I mean, uh, my father was in um, was in FM radio. You know, he owned radio stations back in the states, and um, just seeing how the state of FM radio now compared mm. to then, you know, like the internet really has just blown terrestrial radio out of the water you know it's yeah. a, in television as well television is yeah. uh, dying as well because of youtube and and streaming services so well you know i i might disagree with you that 
Okay. I, I think TV is dying because the programming is so crappy. <laughs> well, that that's that is definitely a factor in it. You're right. Yeah. There's there's, I mean, uh, there's a lot of useless. Yeah. So every every time I go back to visit the states, you know, I'll, I'll you know my family has you know satellite TV and there's hundreds and hundreds of channels and I flip through it and I think there is absolutely nothing on that remotely interests me at all. I'm like, this, uh, how much are you paying a month for this? You know, yeah. like 60, $70 a month. I'm like just cut it, just cut the cord and do something else. You know? Yeah. We, mm. we, I have a 16 year old son mm -hmm. and we threw out our TV 15 years ago. Okay. And the NHK guys used to come and knock on the door. You got an antenna up there. It's like, I don't have a TV. All right. And, uh, so we don't pay NHK. We don't have. I haven't watched TV. You know, I don't. I mean, at my home, I haven't watched TV in 15 years. Right. But I don't miss it. When I go yeah. to a restaurant or something, they'll have a TV, like a bar. They'll have a TV up there, and I watch it for a few minutes, and I just think this is so stupid. I, I can't believe people are sitting there just gawking at it and watching it. No. It's just ridiculous. In in the early days of when I when I moved here, um, it was actually really useful for learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they have the you know subtitles on a lot of things and. Yeah. Um, but after a while, once my Japanese level got a little bit higher, I thought, uh, this is why am I watching this? You know, there's nothing interesting about it. The the only thing I would say interesting there's um, like some of the quiz shows were quite good for testing your knowledge or, or kanji oh. or whatever like that, but. Yeah, I, I I have a TV, but I don't use it to watch any cable. It's just you know streaming or, or whatever you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. So you studied Japanese on TV. So did I. Yeah. So uh, the show. So I I don't know if it's still on. It used to be on Fuji TV mm -hmm. and called Sazai-san. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So I used to videotape that, and then. Put the videotape recording onto a cassette and listen to it on my Walkman, and I would write the entire script down. Right, right, right. And that was the best study I ever had because you got little kids, they got the mom and dad, they got the grandpa and the grandma, and just all this interaction all in one little cartoon. Yeah, all the different ways of speaking for gender and age, and you know, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 and and it's it's natural conversation, you know. Um, and a lot of these study materials that are made for English speakers to study Japanese, I've I just found useless for me because yeah. it it sounded just very robotic and and you know like not natural. But once I started getting into media, mm -hmm. books, TV, radio, music aimed at a native audience, native Japanese audience, that's where my learning just skyrocketed from. There. So you you're one of these young people, see. Yeah, you're. I don't know how old you are, but in my generation, hmm. um, I'm one of the better Japanese speakers that, that I've met. But I meet these people who are like 20, 25, 30 years old now, yeah. and they're. It's incredible how how well they speak Japanese, and I'm, I'm afraid to say anything around them because I'll sound the, so stupid. <laughs> right. Well, the the wealth of knowledge out there. I mean. There's no excuse not to be able to speak a foreign language these days because just the wealth of media and knowledge and everything yeah. and, and the internet 
is just right at your fingertips. And um, when I, I, I didn't take any classes. I most most of mine is self-taught. In fact, you know, 99% of mine is self-taught. Um, I just uh, I navigated my own way through, it, found out what worked for me and what didn't work for me. I still have holes here or there, but I'm able to yeah. live about my daily life. You know what I mean? That's so, great, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't really – I'm trying not to brag about it because it maybe it took me a longer time to do it than if I actually had some focus, you know, <laughs> but I got there eventually. So, um, But even back when I started, I just had, you know, like these programs that had just now – they're now very popular, but they they had just come out. They were like um, electronic flashcard programs, like Anki or or Nemocene, and I they're don't just think those yeah. are. Oh, really? Right. So basically, it's just like using like how you use flashcards, but yeah. electronically, and you grade yourself. So oh, if that was difficult, then you grade yourself as a difficult. And I would just be honest with myself and say, well, I, I have no clue what that is. So the ones that you would grade more difficult, when you bring up the program, it would come back at you more frequently. The ones that you grade yourself easier, they would space them apart longer. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I just did that daily for, uh, I would add my own cards, so stuff that I found interesting, plug it in. And then I would do that daily, even if it was five to 10 minutes or 30 minutes, you know, while I'm having my coffee in the morning, I would just do that daily before I go about my day. And then throughout the day, I would look for things that I recognized, you know, and I would just knew something new. I'd write it down, add it to the cards, you know, later that night. And I did that for years, and I just made it such a habit with no end goal. I, I didn't want to, you know, I had no plans originally to take the JLPT or anything. I just wanted to learn it because I'm living in the country, right? And eventually, I did take a, a test, but um, for me, it was just finding my own way of doing it. And then what you said about listening to recordings of of natural Japanese, I I would, before I uh, started driving, I would commute by bicycle to my job. And one way was like eight kilometers, right? So one way and back 16 kilometers a day was in uh, great shape back then. Um, But I would just listen constantly to native level conversations and even if I did not understand it, I would pick out what I did understand and just yeah. put on a loop. And eventually I'd get the, the rhythm and the, and, and you know, the way of speaking down that way. So, Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a really good, good way to do it. So, you know, a lot of, uh, Oh, let me kind of change the subject, but this sure, is sure, sure, sure. When the March 11th, uh, tsunami and nuclear di- disaster came, mm. um, that was kind of a watershed for foreigners in Japan because in Tokyo, like the foreigners who've been here like 20, 25 years, we all know each other Mm -hmm. kind of, or I'm not saying we're friends or anything, but a lot of them are really good friends of mine. And I'll have to tell you that uh, one is um, most of those foreigners can't speak a word of Japanese. Mm -hmm. It really astounds me. Yeah. And um, they, they'll all say, like, well, you're half Japanese. That's why you can. But, like, I couldn't speak any Japanese before I came here. Mm. My mom never spoke Japanese to us. And um, the, the other thing is a lot of foreigners would say, like, you know, they didn't like Japan because they can't be they can't become like one of the 
one of the locals. It's right. like you you can't change your face. Yeah. But when the March 11th disaster happened, and I think it was around March 15th, they all split. Flygen. That's what the people call them, right? What they call them? Flygen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. right. I haven't yeah. heard that word in years. Flygen and. There, there was a guy who was a crisis manager at some company, yeah. and he he got on an airplane and split. And I remember I wrote him, I kind of pissed off at him, like, what kind of a crisis manager <laughs> like are you? You leave the country, and all yeah. these people leave. And, and for once, it was actually nice because Tokyo was like 1983 again. Yeah, yeah. But, but people, you know complain that the Japanese don't treat them as equals. I don't think we want to be treated the same. In some ways, no, you're right. I mean, there, yeah. there, there, there are benefits of being a foreigner in Japan. And if you, if you assimilate enough to society where, you know, you don't always stand out like a sore thumb, but if you assimilate enough into it, you can actually find this good middle ground where people speak to you as you belong here but at the same time you have cert you don't have to abide by certain cultural norms right. that Japanese have to so you, you kind of have a little bit more freedom in that way I found anyway mm. no that's totally true and uh, I don't know many years ago um, I had this idea about running a marketing company mm -hmm. so I tested out my ideas and I went to Delta Airlines and I just walked in and said I'm here to see the president and they let me in to see him. You know, if you were a Japanese young guy and you you walked in like that unannounced and said you want to see the president, they'd be like, who the hell do you think you are? Yeah. But I was a foreigner, spoke Japanese, and they were just really surprised. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they let me in to see him. And I, I made these deals with them. His staff didn't like it. But yeah, way back in the, the good old days. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, just from my experience, um, I've found if, if you speak a competent level of Japanese and you have a little bit of, I wouldn't say even charisma, but just like a little bit of, um, you know, you're not shy, you know, you're not you're not too too quiet about it. Yeah. You have a little bit of confidence in yourself, then you can. There's a lot that you can just do that a lot of people wouldn't get away with if yeah. they were native Japanese, you know. Uh, there's a guy named Tim Williams. Mm -hmm. uh, what was it called? Entrepreneur. Yeah. He was the first foreigner to IPO a company in Japan. Oh, okay. And that company was called uh, Value Commerce. And Tim is actually a really good friend of mine. Okay. Um, yeah. He went in to see, uh, what's his name? Mikitani-san mm -hmm. at... at uh, was it Rakuten or Recruit? Rakuten, I think it is. Rakuten, yeah. Uh, he just he went in there and just started talking to him, and he told me the same thing. He said it's so easy just to walk in. Here I am. Here to, I'm here to see this person. Oh, I'll wait here. <laughs> and they they let him in to see him. And mm -hmm. Mikitani became a investor in value commerce. Yeah. And they they made a lot of good deals. He's moved back to. Uh, uh, New Zealand now, but um, yeah, I saw him last month. With is it February, yeah, last month I saw him. Nice guy. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, so uh, 
it, it is really good. And on my radio show, I do most of my radio show in Japanese. Okay. In my bad Japanese, it's done. I, I do it. I wake up really early in the morning, <laughs> and I do it like at three or four in the morning, and I'm hungover usually. So in the in the middle of sentences, I'll be talking and like, what what was I talking about? <laughs> well, that that's that's part of the charm, though. You know, if you're if you have like a rehearsed script, people aren't going to be as interested as if you're just being yourself. And you know, part of the charm is, oh yeah, make make a little mistake and then just go from there. You know, so yeah. that's that's fine. It, yeah. It's really fun on the radio show, the Mike Rogers show. It's on a station near you, anyway. It's, it's really nice because there's no pressure to to do things like the right way. Right. You know. Well, you said you have a sponsor, but you you run this on yeah. your own, right? So do you yeah. run this from? Do you have a home studio, or do you do you rent out a a, a, a place to do it? Or no, I, I have a home studio right here. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. It's, it's, that, that's the beauty of technology today too. Is you don't have to go to a a specified uh, radio studio anymore. You can basically create your own. You know. Yeah, so I, I create the FM radio show here for for Don Kyushu Radio. I create my show here. I create the European Top Tony here, and it's really nice because I don't have to drive the car anywhere. Oh man, that must be really nice. Work well, from home. <laughs> I, I've always been a very early morning person, anyway. But um, mm. you know. The trains don't start running till 5:30, right? And it, if it was like my my show starts at 5 a.m., I have to be there like by three, so you have to drive a car. So, well, back in the old days, they would send a taxi to pick you up, but now the stations don't have any money. But doing it from here allows me the time flexibility. Maybe the sound quality is not that good. But everybody's listening on those little white, what do you call it, earbuds? Earbuds, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so it sounds fine. Yeah, yeah. It's only if you have, you know, professional quality earphones that. But even then, for for uh, for talk, talking purposes, you know, you don't need anything great. It's just uh, for the music, right? Yeah, that's, that's the only thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I try to play wave files for the music, always. Yeah. If I can, yeah. but I play MP3 sometimes too, you know, because I'm playing really, really, really new stuff, and I want to play stuff before anyone else does. Right, right. And um, I, I've kind of got an easy, easy in because my show is mostly Japanese, new Japanese bands, mm -hmm. and um, I used to think Japanese bands were really terrible, but now, now I'm getting to where I really kind of like them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there. That that's just it too. Um, I remember just when I moved here. Um, maybe I wasn't as um, knowledgeable of the Japanese music industry at the time, but my knowledge was surface level. You know, either J-pop or I knew a few um, Japanese rock bands, right? But yeah. nowadays, like, there's so many genres of music that everyone just has. They can go their own way. You know, they produce their own music, and it's just. You know, for me now, music is there's more music available more than ever, but it's yeah. harder. It it seems that there's so much out there that it's almost hard to find the gyms because there's just so much out there now. You know? Yeah. Well, a lot of my 
well, friends who are they live in Italy or or wherever they constantly send me Mike Mike I found something good let's check this out ban me and I'm like no no <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. not right and I'm not saying bad made's bad but that's like total corporate you know pop pop music that's like that's mainstream as you can get right so yeah I better watch what I say here <laughs> <laughs> yeah right right yeah yeah uh, when when we're off here you fill me in on that one so so, so yeah man. yeah go ahead next time I go to a, a show and mm-hmm. I don't I used to go to shows a lot but when you get you get past 55 it's like becomes a very big ordeal to be standing there for like three or four hours straight right but next time i go i'll 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 give you a ring and see if you want to go yeah hell yeah i um i i've been looking for um more opportunities to get to um to see live concerts um tsunomia it's not really it's not a uh, there's a few bands that will come to uh local local clubs you know local uh, yeah. music clubs and stuff but to see any anything spectacular and, and when i say spectacular like any sort of regular venue that you would see a concert at you you have to go to saitama at the closest from here uh, or tokyo you know yeah um yeah. you know the band the let's goes i don't want to make a commercial here but mm. the let's goes are a three-girl band okay they've been around for a year I mean, in the, the current line, it's been around for a year. Yep. They're really happening. Seiji, you know Seiji from Guitar Wolf? Mm-hmm. The leader. His daughter is the bass player in that band. Oh, okay. So they've got all these really good connections. And they're playing again really soon. And, and the, the best way I can, I can describe them, I mean, they're really melodic. Okay. Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah. Uh, the let's the let's goes that what they're called. Yeah, let's goes. If you want to, we can go on March thirteenth. Of course, we don't have to pay to get in. March thirteenth. Uh, I'll 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 check my calendar. Friday night. Me. Okay. Then the next one is um, April eleventh at Club Q in Shimokitazawa. Okay. The best thing, the best way I can explain. I'm going to send you some of their songs as soon as we hang up. But the sure. best thing. I can. The best thing I can tell you, my dog is sitting over there. Mm-hmm. Come here, dog. Come. Yeah. Come here. Come here. You gotta say hi. You gotta say hi. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. <laughs> there he is. See, he's got huge ears. Yeah. Happy on. Yeah, pretty dog. <laughs> anyway, um, the the best way to describe them is like if you took a, took like a shoebox mm-hmm. and then you put a bunch of bees in it. And then close the top up, and then opened it up. That's what that's what they're like. Right. Very wild band. Okay. All right. That that's that sounds pretty good. It sounds right up my alley. I'm, <laughs> I'm always I'm always interested in, in finding out new music of uh, any genre. I mean, I, as you commented earlier, I have the Zeppelin poster. Zeppelin's my favorite uh, classic rock band, anyway. Uh, well, tied between that and Pink Floyd, but. Um, but I listen to that, but I listen to almost every genre of, of music. As long as it sounds good, I'll listen to it, you know? So that's uh, that's where I'm at. Wait a minute, I'm going to... Uh, well, now, what's your email address? Oh, well, 
Tell me when we hang up. Or- yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll send you um, just the one that we were communicating with uh, earlier. You can send it via that email address. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. So um, I'm going to send you the schedule. Okay. Appreciate too. that. And then when you can go, I'll go. Great. Yeah. That sounds. That actually sounds really good. Thank you. And like I said, we don't have to pay to get in. Wait a minute. Where? where what's your? Eat? Uh, well, I'll send. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll 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 uh, we'll talk about it in okay. in a few minutes. So um, now going back a, a little bit further back in history, you said that. Um, so you you were in a punk band, right? And you played with yeah. um, uh, you know bands like Black Flag and. Yeah. Uh, did you um, any any stories from that time period uh, that that are that are of any interest or um, any um, any, people, any people in particular? Yeah, you know, this is the kind of thing. Like, a, I thought of a. I, I know I told you one about what those stupid idiots did. What, what was it? Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Saying they want to go surfing. Um, one time. Okay, one of the best shows we ever played, mm-hmm. ever played, and it's okay to talk about drugs and shit, right? Isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. There, yeah okay. There's no no uh, off off limit. So this is back in the days when punk was really a new thing, and most people thought a punk band was the Cars or Cheap Trick. Right. <laughs> so we we played at a battle of the bands, and I I took some LSD and drank a whole bunch of Jack Daniels and I, I think everyone else in the band did too. And um, the band we were playing against was called Shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. Okay. Yeah, and they sucked just as much as the name <laughs> sounds like they would. <laughs> they, they sound like they shipwrecked, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they played like Fleetwood Mac covers and stuff like that. They played first, then we played second. And the, this club was full of punks. Right. Like 300 punk kids. And... Um, we we came out on stage. I, I guess I stumbled out on stage, and the bass player was well, this was a new bass player. Then a guy named Ron Ronnie Fast. Okay. He says he says to the audience, "Hi, we're shipwrecked, and we'd like to thank the Rodders for us, didn't they? Fucking suck!" And we were just <laughs> screaming <laughs> and yelling like that. And this girl jumps up on on stage. In the middle of our song, and she grabs a microphone from me, and she's like, "You're not shipwrecked. You're not shipwrecked. You're the Rodders, and all you guys do is play noise. All you do is just play noise." And I was standing behind her, like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." And I said, "Okay, are you finished?" And she said, "Yeah." And I put my foot in her back, and I just kicked her off the stage. She just <laughs> flew into the crowd. People just were going crazy, and um, the <laughs> the club shut off our power and stuff and um <clears throat> they disqualified us but that was the best show i was gonna say that was probably the best experience that you probably you know had you know like winning battle of the bands now but that right there sounds <laughs> sounds a lot more fun to me so that was back in the days mm. where we used everyone used fake names and mm. everything not because it was cool for being punk but it was like ventura Orange County, people like that, like the hillbillies there, right, they would right. kick your ass if they knew you were in a punk band. So we all use fake names mm-hmm. and always wore caps so people couldn't tell our hair was really short and stuff like that back in those days. So our original drummer, he quit after about a month. 
like maybe one or two months before our single was a really big hit. He quit the band and he told us he's quitting the band because his girlfriend told him like, no boyfriend of mine is going to be playing in a punk band. Oh God. And I, we were like, what a fucking puss. Right. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So, uh, but there were a lot of stories. I got most stories, I think from, um, working with Rodney, I guess. Because, mm-hmm. uh, Didi Ramon, okay, the Ramones would come come on K Rock, and they came a lot. It seems to me they came three or four times. And since I was from Ventura, I always had the best smoke. Right. It was so much better than the dirt they were smoking in L.A. Right. So right. I always had this really good smoke. And um, the Ramones would come on, and Didi would see me. He was always very happy to see me. Mike, Mike, let's let's go smoke. Let's go. All right. And the the other three Ramones would be on the radio with Rodney, and Dee Dee and I would sit in the back room and just just getting high. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a fiend, right? Yeah, <laughs> he was a fucking fiend, and yeah, and, and but he was a really nice guy, and I, I used to be worried that Rodney would get mad at me or, or something like that because you know Dee is not on air; he's sitting back there getting stoned with me, and I I kind of felt myself as like concierge concierge or something like that i'm supposed to take care of the guests give them coffees teas make sure they're happy right. that's my job so um we'd be back there smoking and like i said i would be worried like don't you think Didi? like you should go and like say something on the air he didn't no 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 and he was a fiend and he used to get stoned a lot with uh, i got stoned with um what's his name darby crash okay yeah. When they were they were on the station, but they weren't nice to me, you know. They weren't nice to anybody, and um, just lots of bands like that. And I don't know. I can probably remember a lot more stories if we were sitting there drinking, right? No, right. but like I can't really recall right now. But yeah, there's, there's yeah. Oh, those days, I, days are a bit easy Belinda, anyway. Right? The first time I saw Belinda Carlisle, was that? The first time I saw Belinda Carlisle. Okay. Okay. The Go Go's had their debut show at the Roxy Music, Roxy, Roxy Theater, and they were playing with the um, the Dickies. And Rodney was there, so that was the first place we gave Rodney our record. And um, the uh, the Go Go's came on before the Dickies, of course, and they were fucking terrible. God, they were terrible, and they couldn't play. I mean, look who's talking. But they couldn't play, and um, um, they went off the stage, and people just kind of, you know, whatever. And then the Dickies came out, and people just went crazy. So when the Dickies were on stage, Stan Lee took out a, a, a roll of newspaper, I guess it was, and they had a dollar wrapped around it, right. so like $100, but it was just newspaper, you know? Okay. And he says... He says to the audience, I have $100 right here to any girl who will come on stage right now and show me what sex really is. And Belinda Carlisle jumped up on stage, took off her her shirt. You know, she was like naked, took off her shirt. She grabbed money. So that was back in the crazy days. And um, that was the first time I met Belinda Carlisle. So she was probably standing, I don't know, 
five or six feet right in front of me. Right. But she was right. kind of fat back in those days, so it was kind of like, oh, God. Oh, nice God. first impression, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I remember thinking, like, the L.A. punk. Oh, the L.A. punk kids, they didn't like us at all. Yeah. They called us northers. So there, there's even, like, you know, um, territorial... Yeah, oh, yeah. even even in you know in punk music, I guess. So <laughs> yeah, it was bad. They called us Northers, and then when we would go to San Francisco and play with like the Dead Kennedys, people would be yelling, "L.A. go home, L.A. go home." Because you so guys were closer to L.A. than San Francisco. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that, that used to happen a lot. I have a blog called um, Modern Marketing Japan. Modern Marketing Japan, mm-hmm. and I have. I wrote all these stories down, so I won't okay. them. So if you uh, if your uh, listeners want to check that out, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have a link to that as well. Yeah. I I wrote all the stories about how I I worked with Charles Bukowski and Gary North mm. and the story about Phil Spector and the Ramones and everything. I've, I've written them all down. Yeah, yeah, that's just so that, I that, that's crazy. That, I mean, Phil Phil Spector, that that guy's just insane anyway. So <laughs> yeah, well, I actually met him three times. The first time was the station, and then I met him twice at this restaurant. Rodney goes to this restaurant almost every fucking day. It's mm. called Cantor's. Do you know Cantor's in? Um, it, it's in no. Hollywood. Okay, and it's it's like a Denny's. Okay, and. That's the kind of crap he eats every day. It's like French fries and and like a hamburger. It's like, you know, this is really bad for you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so. Uh, oh, Rodney came to Japan in 2016, though. Okay. So uh, that's, that's an interesting story. So for when I first came here for many years, I never told anyone that... Uh, I was in the Rodders, played this band. I never told anyone ever, and you know, you know, you will know why, because most foreigners in Japan, and the Japanese call them like you know, big mouth. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't believe what they say, you know. The oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I never told anyone that I was in the Rodders. I never told anyone I was Rodney Bingenheimer's assistant. I never told anyone for thirty some years. Mm. So I made a movie in 2000 and was it 2015? A rock and roll movie. Okay. It, it, it uh, world premiered at Rain Dance. That's how I got to know them. Yeah. And it was about, it, it was a rock and roll movie, <laughs> rock and roll ghost. And it had the Japanese band, the Neat Beats in it. Neat Beats, Neat Beats are really cool. Okay. And um, we're, when we're shooting the movie, I was at their house because we were shooting in their, their basement studio. And um, I went to the bathroom. And in the bathroom, there was a book, a big fat book about Phil Spector. And I, I looked at it. And I thought, oh, and I just picked it up. And I opened it by just chance. And there, yeah. there's a photo of Phil Spector and Rodney Bingenheimer in there. And I thought, wow, wow. And I went back to the studio. I said, hey, you guys, you guys like Phil Spector? And they were like, yeah, he's a legend. He's a god. And I said, I've met him before. And they were like, no, come on. You know, yeah. 
Yeah, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, whatever. And I was like, no, 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 I have, I have, I have, you know, no way. I thought we we're making this movie together. You guys should trust me. And I, I said, I, do you guys know Rodney Bingenheimer, right? And they were like, yeah, he's a DJ legend. Mm. And I said, I, I was his assistant from 1980 to 1981. And you could tell they, they did not fucking believe me. Believe you, yeah, right. At all. And then. <laughs> That was in February, and then in May, I got a call from Rodney saying he's coming to Japan for a week, being all expenses paid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wanted to meet me and wanted me to take them around, and I said, okay, I'll take you guys around. <clears throat> and so I wrote to all these rock bands and told them, if you want to meet Rodney Bingenheimer, you can. We'll go to lunch or go to dinner, but you're going to pay for the dinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I did, and I took them around and took them shopping, and went to Asakusa and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. that was the first time I ever told anyone about that, and now yeah. a lot of people know. Right, and and how long was that from when you came to Japan until uh, until just a few years ago, right? Yeah, just a few years ago. I never told anyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was actually I was in another band. Oh. Let me show you this. Yep. I don't know if you care. This is my band's record. The this was "Sit on My Face," Stevie Nicks. Okay. So that was a big hit, and then after that band broke up, I made another band called the Woofy Dogs. Woofy Dogs. Okay. Yeah, and it. I, I thought it would be easy to sell and stuff, but it wasn't, and I wound up. I think we pressed 250 records. I don't remember. But was I, this was this in America or in Japan? In Japan. In Japan. Okay. So this is like probably 70. No, maybe maybe 81. Okay. Or 82. And um, I decided to move to Japan. So in 1983, I probably threw away 230 or 40 of those records. Oh man. In the garbage. Now I find out that that record is like the holy grail of late 70s Los Angeles punk bands. And it's sold on Discogs. You know what Discogs is? Yep, yep, Discogs. Mm -hmm. it, it sold at Discogs for $1,800. Oh, dude. For oh, stupid <laughs> single. But I have, I have the acetate of that record. Can you see that? Uh, it's a little blurry. Maybe move it back a bit. There you go. Yeah, that's this good. Acetate. Mm -hmm. And I went looking down in my basement through all my stuff, and I don't know why I kept this, but I brought this here, yeah. and um, I sold it to a collector. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's going to come and get it. I sold it for two thousand dollars. There you go. That's, yeah, is uh, that a good deal, huh? So don't that don't. Is, but, but you, you kind of kick yourself now. You're like, why did I throw those away? You know. So I know. Yeah. And it's it's the uh, picture sleeve, I guess. You got to have the picture sleeve for it to be really expensive. But yeah, stupid shit we do when we're young. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I think we all have that. So um, that's good. You so you've with this radio show, you've kind of become. I'm sure you you've met a lot of people in the just the Japanese entertainment industry in general, not just the music scene, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there any um, any people in, in particular that uh, 
I, well, who, who is it? Um, there's a few foreign uh, celebrities in Japan. Mm. Uh, have you met any of them? I'm, I'm sure in you know so, so, social gatherings, parties, and everything, you've uh, um, you've come across a few of them, right? Yeah, but I don't. I been living here so much. I don't really have any foreign friends. Yeah, yeah, that those tend to fall away, don't they? Yeah, yeah you know, um, do you know a guy, a radio disc jockey named George Williams? The name rings a bell, but uh, so yeah. I was his manager for 26 years. Okay. And he, he quit our company last year, and I don't, he's kind of gone by the wayside. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see where he's getting jobs and stuff, and he's quit, and he joined it, two different agencies. So I think that's not a good sign. But I've met some foreigners. Mm. I can't tell you their names. Um, right, right. Um, Michael Tomioka is a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know who he is. Shirley Tomioka is really nice. Um, and there's a black guy. What's his name? He's a really nice guy, too. I forgot his name. And... Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. Right. I, I just don't know. I, I used to be on a lot of TV dramas in the in the eighties. Right. Yeah. So I met a lot of really really famous Japanese back in those days. Yeah. But then you start getting older and start getting fat and start yeah. drinking and stuff, you know. And those jobs get less and less over time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But, uh, have you met? Um, he's a. He's a. He's he's foreign, um, but I think he grew up here in Japan. But he was a DJ for a while. Now he's a journalist. He appears on TV. Uh, Morley Robertson. Have you met oh, him? Oh yeah. yeah, he's yeah. a nice guy. Is he? He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. He's a very very nice guy. He knows yeah. me well. We know. He Morley was um, when I started. I told, mentioned about that J Wave show. Right. Morley, I was the Thursday Friday night host and i think he was the monday tuesday host i can't remember okay okay yeah so we were kind of the same team i mean we didn't really meet but um he's a he's a super nice guy yeah yeah i i've never i don't think i've ever heard him speak english i know i'm pretty sure he does i mean i know yeah, he, he does, speaks english. yeah yeah, yeah but it's it's even even what little communication uh we we've had it's just been in japanese so i mean he's completely Fluent, obviously. He he has yeah, yeah. a TV show and everything too. So. He's much better than I am. Yeah, yeah. In Japanese, yeah. I you know I can say like you know eto biru chodai, right? Kyo da to ga. Yeah. Just that kind of stuff. But um, mm-hmm. he can talk about uh, sem semonka, like yeah. special topics. Yeah, specialist yeah. special topics. I mean, I can talk about special topics too, but mm-hmm. I'm not using the correct terminology. Right, right. Like it, he, his just flows out. Just yeah, you know, he, he's Hayakuchi too. He's a very fast speaker. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, um, he's I one mean, of the, he's one of the few foreigners here. I think who is a general, genuinely nice guy. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I don't try. Well, it's not. I don't even try. I, mm. I don't hang around with foreigners. Is and in the radio world. There's something weird about people. You'll meet people. Uh, hi, 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 how are you? And like, I'm older than most of these people by like 20 years. I'm older than your dad, dude. 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and you'll get some kind of attitude like a rivalry. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're my rival. It's, it's, I'm not your rival. I, I don't. I don't play. You know the music you play. You don't play the music I play. I'm, I'm 25, 30 years older than you. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Right, right. But yeah, um, I, I know what you mean. Like the um, at least in the younger years, my younger years here, I saw more competitiveness, oh. uh, even in you know small city like where I'm at now. But nowadays, either it's I don't care or maybe I just don't hang around those type of people anymore. But all the foreign friends that I do have are, I just surround myself with people who are chill, you know, like they, they don't, there's no competitiveness. We have different industries, even if we're in the same industry, we just, we shoot the shit, you know, like we're, we, we, we exchange, if we're in the same industry, we don't see each other's rivals. We see each other's like, Oh, Hey, how are you doing this? And, You know, okay, that's cool. So that works for you. You know, like we we exchange you know strategies and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's refreshing to be around people like that instead of someone who's always trying to consider you their enemy. You know. <clears throat> yeah. So, well, I I think in radio one of the problems is is uh, most DJs are puppets. Mm. They don't pick the music. They don't write the script. They're just saying what's written down, and they don't talk about things. So they're they're puppets, so they don't realize that you know you're you're going to be out of a job very soon. No, maybe ten years is very soon for me because you're not setting up anything unique to yourself. Like for example, like for example, I am doing this film festival. It's going to be a fucking disaster, but I'm still doing it. <laughs> 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 and I made a movie and. And doing these things that I can talk about, but exactly. if, yeah. if if all you talk about is just what the guy writes down on the paper and mm-hmm. and it's it's just not interesting. You gotta you have to be into cycling or camping or mm-hmm. you know doing something and being an expert in that field so that you can host the show. In fact, on on Love FM in Kyushu. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the show that's on before my show on Wednesday nights, it comes on at 11. What's the name of that girl? I'm talking to my that, wife here. Uh, something Kozol. There, her, her, there's a girl named Kozol. She's Kozol. not a professional talker at all, but she is, was born and raised on a farm. Okay. So she knows everything about plants yeah. and animals and all sorts of stuff. But she's a professional cartoonist. Oh, and she's a professional cartoonist. Living there. Very. That that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, when I first listened to her, I thought this girl's t- talking is terrible. But then you listen to her, and it's like, oh, that's really interesting take on things. Right. Yeah. So they might may not be the best speaker, but if they have a story to tell or something yeah, interesting yeah. to talk about, then people will listen. You know. Yeah. Mm. So I think most of the foreigners. Like uh, like even on TV, talent. The reason why they're gone and generally speaking, gone in two or three years is because they don't have anything to say. Yeah, I think I'm they not sure. Have a, they have a quick catchphrase that they say, and then you know, f- flash in the pan sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I have something to say, but I don't know how to say it well enough in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Anyhow. So, 
So you said your your show is in sixteen is broadcast in sixteen countries, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, you don't have to name all of them off off the top, but uh, oh no, I can Japan, right? So yeah, okay. Well, I have to go around the, the globe. So yeah, yeah, on UK, Spain, France, Germany, Italy, uh, <laughs> Russia, mm-hmm. South Africa, um, <clears throat> Hong Kong, Singapore, Canada, the United States. Mexico and Colombia, wow, and, oh. and Japan, and Japan, yeah. And so are, I, there, are they broadcast on like local affiliates within these countries, or um, no? Some of them are are FM stations that also <laughs> broadcast on inter inter uh, what do you call it? internet? Okay, okay. And some of them are just internet stations. I see. So I see. my my idea now is uh to get on as many stations as possible mm. and the reason why i do this and i forgot his name the the, the president of a uh, serious xm radio no. he said that uh, podcasting and youtubing and um internet radio is the future of radio mm-hmm. and and it goes back to what i was saying earlier you know it it costs you millions of yen to run an fm radio station millions of yen even not broadcasting anything but you can run an uh internet radio station for 50 dollars a month yeah and yeah. You, you can be heard all over the world mm-hmm. so anyway so my my idea is to get on as many stations as possible and then i can go see um like for example i could go see delta airlines mm-hmm. and tell them you can run an ad on my st- on my show for one one hundredth the price of what Densu would charge you. Right, right. So, so that's the plan. I don't know if this is going to work out, but that's the plan. You got to try it, though, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, I've, been that's doing, a... I've been doing it for about seven months now. Okay. And I'm picking up, I pick up usually one or two stations a week. And I didn't pick up any this week. Oh, wait, it's only Tuesday, isn't it? So... Yeah. So the week's still young. Yeah. The week's still young. <laughs> Keep it going. But um, some of these stations are huge. Like uh, there's a station in uh, was it Finland, Helsinki, Finland, and um, it's an FM station and online. And uh, on like for example on Facebook, I think J Wave has like thirty thousand likes. Right. Uh, Inter FM has like twenty thousand likes. This station has like forty eight thousand likes. So a lot of stations have twenty thousand likes, ten thousand likes. Some stations only have like three thousand likes. Yeah. But the the coolest station it only has like three thousand likes. Right. So, I mean, what I think is the coolest station. It's very, very, very cool. I'll send you that link too. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Please, please do, please do. You can just turn it on and leave it on. This is so cool. It's in Spain. Where is it? Oh, here it is. Yeah. I'll send you that, too. Great. Okay. Yeah, so... um, Radio. Okay, yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. You'll really... I think you'll really like it. I listen to it and I think like I know some of the songs, but most of the songs I've never heard of. 
Right. Yeah. And I think that's good. I don't like it when the local inter FM station says, okay, let's go back. Let's go back for an oldie that you haven't heard in a long time. Here's a uh, Van Halen hot for teachers. It's like, Oh, come on, you guys. It's like everyone. Yeah. That's an oldie, but you know, it's like every, everyone, everyone knows that. So, you know, play something that's a little bit more. Obscure. Yes, another track from the album. How's that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's weird. Like, um, I mean, I grew up around music. I mean, my family aren't musicians. Um, I I have a guitar, but I I hardly play it just because I I haven't spent the time learning it, honestly. But I grew up listening to music all the time. My parents played music all the time in the house. So I heard stuff from everywhere, right? And some of my favorite songs by famous bands are like some of the, not even B-sides, but just some of the tracks that weren't even singles or you know popular hits you know just because i they would play whole albums and i would find the songs that i liked the best yeah. you know and uh so you like david bowie did you like david bowie um i to be honest i never really listened to a lot of bowie but uh <laughs> he's, he's one that i'm i'm not going to sleep on obviously oh. i've i've heard i've heard you know the the main songs you know but uh yeah. i never really got too far into it to be honest all the hit songs are not not the best songs Right, that's what I by hear. Far. <laughs> that's by yeah. far. That's what I hear. Yeah. 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 I have a, a friend. Um, uh, she lives in Spain uh, now, but she was like obsessed with David Bowie. So uh, I just need to pick her brain, and she'll tell me everything I need to know about David Bowie. You know. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just it. There's just so much music out there. Even even you know, growing up, that I just um, I heard, but you know, I never got into, or I heard, and I said, oh, I'll just come back to that later, or something, you know, I've, I was always into something, and it's not that I dismiss any anything, I just, it, it's like, there's only so much time in the day, and almost, you know, so, um, I float between moods and genres all the time, so, someone introduces something to me, I'll get hooked on it, and that'll be the next two months of my life, you know, listening, so. That's cool. Oh, yeah. there's one more thing I'm doing, I guess I should promote. Sure. I still got time. Do you know, you know, of course, you know, History Channel, right? Yes. Yes. So um, several months ago, when my radio show got canceled, I was all depressed, spent probably a month getting drunk every day. <laughs> and then kind of thought, like, well, you can't keep doing this. So I came up with an idea for a TV show and I went to see History Channel and I went to talk to the president and we went out and had a few drinks and I sold him on this idea. And it's a it's a TV show about Japanese underground punk and rock and stuff Ooh. like that. Okay, okay. So we've already shot the first first show. It's being edited now, and it's called uh, Go Bang Japan. Go Bang Japan. Okay. Uh, and um, I hope it'll be out. Was it February? Maybe April. This is going to air on History Channel USA, uh, or, all over or, the world, or worldwide, right? Yeah, okay. but I think I think History Channel runs things weird. It'll first start off in Japan, and then whichever local, you know, History Channel, like I don't know, Spain or Europe, or will will pick it up. Right. They seemed to, they they told me that it, this was going to be an easy sale in Japan, yeah, yeah, Singapore, because it's actually. 
and things have to be packaged right. Everything we do is packaged right. It's actually a travel show. Okay. Those so, are those are quite those are quite popular these days. Yeah, too, so, so it's a yeah. travel show with a twist. So okay. it's it's like, you know, it's uh, the first one is about Shibuya and Shimokitazawa. Okay. And the Let's Go's are in it and Guitar Wolf's in it and um what what's it called? Teen Generate? Do you know Teen Generate? I I haven't heard of them, no. Anyways, they're they're a really popular uh, punk band. Okay. And they, they were one of the few Japanese bands that were ever on the cover of a Maximum Rock and Roll magazine. Do you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Teen Generate, right? Yeah, Teen Generate. Yeah. Okay. And there, there was a documentary movie made about them, but they were only together for like, I don't know, a year or two years. And that guy's in it, and uh, it's really cool. So, yeah. Great. So that that's coming out in in April. You said yeah, probably it April. Should should be around April. Great. Yeah. yeah. Like go bang Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's a good title or not, but uh, I, there's there's so so many interpretations you could have on it. That that's a good sell right there. That's a good <laughs> satellite, you know, because people just type in. They could be typing in something completely different and still find your show. So yeah, that's, that's <laughs> you know. what I'm hoping for. Yeah, yeah. They could either be pleasantly surprised or, or disappointed, depending on what they find. So well, the, the show. I saw the first cut of the show, and it, the show reminded me of late '70s uh, news reports about like London punk right. punk scene. That's what it reminded. Me. Oh, so okay. that was good. Okay. Very good. You know, people choking each other and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Well, great. Well, great. So, um, Mike, um, getting close to time here. Um, is there anything you'd like to say to the audience? Any words of wisdom or any sort of advice or just anything you'd, you'd want to get out there? Um, well, if, if you like Japanese rock... And if you want to study Japanese in not a traditional way, I guess, then listen to the Mike Rogers show. Uh, it's it's on all over the place. And uh, um, I, I just think that uh, whatever you do, Andy Warhol said it. Mm. This, this goes for you, too. Do something once or do it every day. And... In, in the case of every day, maybe it's every week, the, your show or something like that. But you yeah. got to do it. You got to just keep doing it. It's got to become like tooth, brushing your teeth. Yeah. Every night you, you brush your teeth, right, before you go to bed. Yeah. Consistent. Well, I, I, yeah, it's got to be consistent. And then you'll just get better and better and better and better and you'll build an audience. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a very important thing to do. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, Mike, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I'd love to talk to you uh, again sometime on here because I'm sure you have so many stories uh, you can you can tell us. And um, uh, I just appreciate you taking the time to be on here, man. Thank no, you. No, thanks for having me on. 